everybody. I had such a good time talking with my friend Natasha about Jane Austen's novels and ranking them. But my desktop is is getting repaired, and so I'm using my laptop, and so the sound quality wasn't up to my normal quality, but hopefully the content is fun enough that you can ignore that. But I just wanted to let you know, I am aware that some of the sound quality isn't the best, uh, but uh, again, I hope you enjoy it, and uh, thanks so much. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. And in honor of Jane Austen Month, which I've been doing on my channel, I thought it'd be fun to do a special episode for our Wednesday episode. We'll be talking about Jane Austen herself and her six most well-known books. And I have a very good friend with me to, to do this. My friend Natasha Alvar is here. And thank you so much, Natasha, for coming on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So you haven't been on Rachel's Reviews as much. You were on Female Film Critic Panel. But uh, but why don't you introduce yourself to the audience for people who might not have uh, seen you before? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm Natasha. Uh, like Rachel said, I'm from Singapore. Uh, I am a film critic and a film editor at Cultured Vouchers. So we do lots of stuff like, of course, film, books, TV, games, wrestling. Yeah, so... That's my main preoccupation. Yeah. yeah, when we have so much fun at Hallmarkies Podcast, and we did a whole ranking of, uh, if you want to hear more of our thoughts on books, we did a whole ranking on the Bridgerton books over at Hallmarkies Podcast that people will want to check out. I'll put a link to that in there. But have you always been a Austinite, a big fan? Of course, yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I have to say that maybe this sounds blasphemous, but I prefer <laughs> Bronte, the Brontes. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> but, but I do, I do love Austin. She's definitely like, you know, one of my top five writers, I think, that I really mm -hmm. adore and I've like read all her stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the first one you ever read? Uh, the first one I ever read was Sense and Sensibility. Ah, me yeah. too. Yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> because like Pride and Prejudice is so popular. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. But um, I don't know actually how was that Sense and Sensibility her first book? Was it? It yes. was. Right? I I think yeah. I don't know if it was her first book published, but I think it was her first book, fully completed novel. Is I think. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember that you know it was it came before I think Pride and Prejudice, but Pride and Prejudice was the more popular novel yeah so i i also read sense sensibility first which is kind of interesting and i i think because i had seen the movie uh the um the uh, movie the angley movie yeah and it looks like yeah she had sense sensibility pride and prejudice mansfield park emma persuasion northanger abbey uh is the order of release <laughs> and uh and i i just loved it i read it my uh i had like a winter break uh in between my first year of college and i was 17 and i had like i don't know i think almost a month off and i read sense sensibility uh and my mom's a big reader so i think that also influenced me and i absolutely loved it i mean it makes sense that i would have loved it because i uh, was really i'm really close with my sister so the dynamic between eleanor and marianne was very uh something i could definitely relate to yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i think it's one of like the best i think sister relationships ever written in like a novel besides like, yeah. with a woman yeah yes. yeah yeah and uh and then i in that month that i had i read pride and prejudice and persuasion i think i, oh, I wow. just, like, was on fire yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was so excited <laughs> and for years i would read all six every year uh and it was like a tradition and then i started the podcast and i, I didn't have time <laughs> <laughs> to do that anymore uh, but i uh, i uh, i did do it last year uh i read all i mean most of them i listened to but that counts <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I and uh, I, I i was really happy because that had been such a fun tradition for so long uh, that i'd kind of let go and so but last year i read all six again 
and uh, I love I love all of them. I don't there's not a I mean there's ones that I like less than others, but they're all I think worth reading. Yeah. I would say. I think that's the thing about Austin, right? There's like no weak books I think in her arsenal. I think they're all mm-hmm. quite strong. It's just yeah. references, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we thought it would be fun to rank her books, all six books, and we came up with uh, five, well, four categories. We came up with four categories. So we have overall experience, overall feeling of the book, the heroine, the hero, and then the adaptations, whether series or feature film. Uh, so that's how we did one to 10, her scores. Uh, so this is going to be fun. And I don't know what your score, you know what my scores are, but if I don't know what your scores are, so this is going to be fun. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's dive in. Let's talk about sense sensibility first. Uh, yeah. it's kind of interesting. This is both of our first of hers. Um, what is your overall feelings about this book? I think, okay, I mean, I think this is a general rule of thumb for Austin, but I feel like her heroines are always more interesting than her heroes. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, I think, uh, Eleanor and Marianne's characters. I like the whole idea of that sense and sensibility aspect. You know, one has more sense, the other one has more sensibility. Uh, and I think what really struck me about the book, I think, and something that Austin consistently focuses on, right, is the economic realities, you know, to of a woman at that point, right? Uh, you know, um, and mm-hmm. the position that the Dashwoods find themselves in at the beginning of the novel, right? So, you know, they're, they're dependent on, I guess, um, you know, the men that they will have to marry. They both would have to make, you know, um, good marriage kind of um, prospects, right? to um yeah to just survive yeah yeah it, that's one thing that the 95 and the 95 does a lot of things right but it really captures very well that sense of they have nothing that they can do as far as their prospects in life like they kind of just have to sit there's a lot of scenes of them kind of sitting and waiting yeah <laughs> and it captures that really well and yeah. i i agree i i think that the dynamic between eleanor and marianne is so uh easy to relate to even now all these years later that uh, that i i think that a lot of families have the dynamic of you have sort of the the more uh headstrong <laughs> the more uh the little the more uh peacemaker of the family i feel like almost everybody kind of has that but eleanor is such a good character because she's not just she's not like beth and little women or something like that you know like this paragon of virtue she yeah she's not yeah yeah she uh she's you know flawed and and uh and gets frustrated with marianne especially (laughs) But uh, but she uh, she's very logical. She doesn't go off of emotion like Marianne. And I, I, I think that they both learn something from each other by the end. And I do love in the adaptation in, in 1995 when she just starts ugly crying. That's one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in a movie. Yeah, <laughs> I I do think that Hugh Grant and um Emma Thompson <laughs> looked a bit weird together, but like yeah. they, they they made it work. I mean, I it was believable, I guess. Yeah. Well, so yes, uh, the we were talking about the heroines. I think Marianne and Eleanor are both great, especially if you think of when they were uh when he was writing. Like someone like Marianne would be pretty scandalous. Like I think her actions now don't seem as scandalous now as they would have at the time, like going out in an open uh, carriage riding with a man that you're not engaged to, you know, like things like that, that we maybe don't think much of now was like a big deal back then. Yeah. I mean, especially the way that she carried on with Willoughby, right? Uh, Yeah. The impression to everyone that they were engaged. Everyone thought that they were secretly engaged and she allowed him to take a lock of her hair you know, uh, without any promises. Yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, that's how, you know, if if I think if she maybe didn't have Eleanor, right, or, 
she might have easily gone into ruin in some ways. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think of Lucy still? Do you think, how duplicitous do you think she is? Do you think she knows from the very beginning that, uh, that uh, Eleanor's had this connection with um, Edward? I feel that she does because she's so yeah. pointed in like sharing her secret with Eleanor, you know, and telling her about, you know, oh, about, you know, everything about Edward, right? And oh, you know, like mm-hmm. you keep this a secret and I'll share the secret with you. I don't know. Like I felt like yeah. she knew something. And uh yeah, but I think, you know, it's so unfortunate for Edward, right, to have made that connection uh and engagement with her for like a you know, the folly of youth. And then have no way to extricate himself, you know, until later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because he's all about honor and keeping his his Word. promise. Mm. But it's interesting that when Robert comes along, Lucy has no problem breaking her promise <laughs> because he, he he inherited the estate, yeah. right? Yeah, so right. you know, she goes where the money goes, I guess. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well let's yeah so let's talk about the the dudes as i like to say the hair the heroes uh so you have edward who is a bit of a wimp uh yeah. that, i mean his his actions make sense given the time that the book is written but from our perspective you want him to be a little bit more like oh come on <laughs> uh, and uh and then brandon colonel brandon I, I think that they're both respectable matches for our, our heroines, but they do kind of feel a little bit like afterthoughts compared to the other relationships in her books. Uh, that this this book is really about the sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Colonel Brandon, but I also do think that he's a bit old, old <laughs> so yeah. man. And, you know, and I think a lot of his affection for her is, like, influenced by the first woman he ever loved, right? And Marion reminds him of her. So, yeah. I think I read somewhere the the very interesting thing about the idea of, I think, second attachments in Sense and Sensibility. That, you know, I think with the exception of Eleanor, everyone essentially makes a connection with their second attachment. Which I found to be interesting. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh even their father you could say did that <laughs> yeah 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 second marriage yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh and so i think the adaptations i i think the 1995 is great i mean the biggest flaw with it is that emma thompson decided to cast herself as eleanor even though she is very good she is way too old to be playing that part uh, she's supposed, and they kind of write it in as if she's an old maid, but that's not true to the book. In the yeah. book, she's nineteen, and Marianne is seventeen. And they, in the uh, two thousand eight version, it's much more accurate and like accurately cast to the book. Yeah, and it has Dan Stevens, right? I didn't even yes. realize it was him. <laughs> yes, I really like that version, the two thousand eight version. It's yeah. it's definitely a smaller budget. So things like the costumes and other stuff are, are sort of more simple. But uh, but I think that the... I forget who the actress is for that one. But um, uh, but yeah, Dan Stevens is Edward. And it's definite upgrade over Hugh Grant. <laughs> I think Hugh Grant can't like, let go of his Grantisms. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's just so yeah. you know, him, right? In the way he plays the character. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> but i mean they, yeah. they, they do have weight they do have banter you know you can understand why they would make a good match but visually it looks kind of strange a bit yeah Silent. well so in the 2008 eleanor is played by hattie morahan is her name and then marianne is charity wakefield uh, and mrs dashwood is janet mcteer if, if y'all saw the menu she was in the- <laughs> I love her. Yeah, yeah. She's a good good actress. And then Dominic Cooper is Willoughby in uh, the 2008. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and so I think that both those adaptations are really good. Uh, but 
I, I like I said, I just think that she should have given the part to a younger actress, even though she's really good in the role. It just doesn't fit the character. What, yeah. what do you think about those two versions? Um, I agree with you. I think that the 2008 one was more authentic, I think, to the yeah. text. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas I think, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Colonel Brandon in that one, <laughs> but I do think the character is also once again more authentic. Uh, you know, I think mm-hmm. there's a bias there where you, when you <laughs> cast someone like Alan Rickman, who yeah. is just so charming, you know. I think Colonel Brandon's a bit of an awkward man, <laughs> you know. Like, he's just very earnest. But I don't think, you know, I mean, it's a reason why Marion goes for Willoughby initially, right? Because he's so charming, you know, and charismatic. Yeah, and I feel that Alan Rickman as Colonel Brandon kind of set the, <laughs> the, the bar high. a bit too high. Yeah, you know, and we're like, oh, yes, right? We don't understand but <laughs> Uh, yeah, I felt like Colonel Brandon was more suitable and I think more um, accurate yeah, in the second one. So uh, I prefer Ang Lee's sense and sensibility, but I, I admit that the 2008 one is more accurate to the text. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that we have both. I So for our numbers, for our points, I gave Sense Sensibility a 10 because I feel like between both of them, we have everything that you could want. <laughs> It's a great <laughs> novel. There's so many like twists and turns as yeah. well. So that's great. So, uh, yeah. yeah, for so for movie for for my overall score, I gave it an eight. Because I do think that as far as the book, I think there are some parts that drag a little bit. There's some slow parts. Like yeah. when they're in London. Um uh, and kind of waiting for Willoughby and just some of the some of those parts just drag a little bit. But I still love it. I guess so. I give it an eight for um, the adaptation. No, for overall, I gave it oh, an eight. Okay, okay. And then for heroines, I gave it a ten. Uh, for hero, I gave it a seven. Adaptations, I gave it a ten. So total points thirty-five. Oh, that's a strong, that's a strong showing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? I think I think it was more generous. Oh wow, this is a it's a first. <laughs> uh, I think overall I gave it a ten. I think maybe because I read it first, it was my yeah. first introduction to Austin, and I think I loved it so much, uh, and it encouraged me to read the rest of her work. So I think you know I always owe it to sense and sensibility. So I gave it a ten. I gave the heroines a ten. I love Eleanor. I think she's yeah. my, one of my favorite uh austin or just general like female characters characters yeah mm-hmm. and uh for the hero i gave it an eight <laughs> <laughs> but, because edward i think should have been a little bit more assertive and colonel brandon is um he's a nice man <laughs> but uh you know I, I just feel a little bit sad for marion i think i mean i i like that he's devoted but i do think you know i do wish that she was able to kind of make a match that you know would be a mixture i guess of sense and sensibility in that sense right yeah we're yeah. more passionate of a, of a match yeah um, so and then you, what'd you give the adaptations oh i give it a 10 I think okay I would, good. I would re-watch it any day of the week i think mm-hmm. it's Either so one, good yeah. Are you a fan of Rachel's Reviews? Do you look forward to Family Movie Night, Female Film Critics Panels, or the Talking Disney Podcast? If so, please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron. As a patron, you get to access monthly events such as the watch-alongs and Q&As, where you get to talk to stars and find out the behind the scenes of the movie making industry. And you can pick what I review for Family Movie Night or even become a guest on the podcast Podcasts and YouTube channels are expensive and I really, really could use your help. I would so appreciate it. You also get to be a member of the Facebook group where we talk about all the films that we're seeing and we have so much fun. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies and select one of the Rachel's fan tiers. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. Well, then let's talk about Pride and Prejudice. Uh, This (laughs) practically invented enemies to lovers. It's so well executed. Uh, especially from the proposal onward. I mean, 
they re- she really puts you in a position where you think there is no way these two people are going to get together, especially given the customs of the time and the fact that she refused him so boldly. And uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, especially after I've read it many times, you know that they will get together. But she makes it so believable that they won't. That that really drives you through the story and pretty much from that proposal to them meeting again in uh in pemberley to lydia's uh what happens with lydia all of that it's just like perfect perfectly executed i think uh overall uh it's one of my favorite books it is i think i mean i know you had you you have your tradition and you reread you know um all six Mm -hmm. books right every year you you try to right uh, yeah. But I think Pride and Prejudice is probably one of Austin's books that I've reread the most because I just love it so much. I think, yeah. I mean, I think I've reread the rest, you know, in some capacity, but I've re- reread Pride and Prejudice like so many times, you know, because I just, I don't know, it's like there's always something new when you read it again and it's just so enjoyable. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. And Lizzie is such a perfectly written character. she's flawed she's uh she's likable she you understand why uh why she rejects darcy uh, why she all the different things that are can be difficult sometimes because a lot of times when they do enemies to lovers they forget and make the characters just so unlikable that you don't care you don't really want them to get together but what what people forget about Pride and Prejudice is that everybody in their lives loves Lizzie and Darcy. Everyone. It's just yeah. the two of them that <laughs> can't get along. And so you know that if they could just figure things out, then they would be great because of how beloved they are. They're not yeah. unlike the characters. Yeah. I think the one thing that kind of already signposts to us that, you know, Darcy is not as bad as Lizzie thinks he is. It's his friendship with Bingley. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like yeah. everybody in their lives loves them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just waiting for them to figure things out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's it's said. And don't you agree that basically from the proposal onward is like is perfection? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. Um... I mean, I think it's really that 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 subversion, right? I mean, I, I don't think I when I first read it, I expected him to propose at that point, you know, because yeah. you, you're just so used to like you know the the happy ever after or whatever, right? Coming at the end, right? So you know, for that to kind of happen at that point was really kind of like a oh wow, right? Um, yeah, he he really does have so much regard for her, yeah. you know, that he would do that. So I thought that was interesting. I mean, because we we have insight into Lizzie, right? Because we're following you know, the Bennets for the most part, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, Darcy is a bit of an enigma to us, you know, in, in the sense of what he's feeling. So, we're always kind of looking at the social situations and how he's reacting to her and all that. So, that was, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, was, <laughs> it just gets better <laughs> I mean, it's, and better. Yeah. yeah, it's so impressive how she can make you, make the character, make Darcy go from being the last man on earth I would ever marry to being the best man I have ever known. Yeah. And I mean, to, to make that is pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. I think the love in the villa, Netflix. <laughs> you should make some, like... like, some studies from this. <laughs> and... <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, and I have to say, as far as like true adaptations of Pride and Prejudice, not like how they do it on Hallmark sometimes or places where it'll have Pride and Prejudice in the name, but it's not really Pride and Prejudice, like true adaptations, there's not, there's for me, there's not really a bad one in the batch. I mean, I, I am like super easy to please when it comes to the story, evidently, because I really enjoy the 2005 version. I really enjoy the Colin Firth version. I like uh, the Bollywood Bride and Prejudice. I like uh, the old one from 1940. I just reviewed that on my channel. I just really love love it. It's hard to do. Yeah. Even the zombie one I liked. So, yeah, um, and uh, Fire <laughs> Island was good also. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. <laughs> so, 
Uh, so it, this gets perfect score for me. 10 overall, 10 heroin, 10 hero, 10 adaptations, total 40 points. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? Mine is the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I was going to extreme nitpick, I wish she gave us a little bit more romantic dialogue between Darcy and Lizzie. Uh, when he finally proposes at the end, when he fi- they finally, it says something like he said what was appropriate for a man desperately in love, or so, it's just she says something like that, and it's yeah. like no, I want to hear what he said. I want to hear the talk, you know. Uh, but uh, but yeah. that's about it. I I think it's it's perfect. So okay, yeah, yeah. and I think like it's such a smart move from Austin, right? Is to have Lizzie like visit Pemberley and for yes. her to kind of imagine herself like you know I could have been like mistress of this place yeah. right you know, like, she's so wowed by Pemberley you know, mm-hmm. you know uh, yeah so I really like like Austin's use of space and you know to tell yeah her, and then yeah. to see him treat her so well and then and then when the uh, when the Lydia thing comes it's so devastating because it's just they've just been building up to this point where uh, maybe something will happen again, and she's like, "I will never see him again." Oh, yeah, because so the scandal, right? It's just so sad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Mansfield Park. So that's next, and this one, you know, I don't dislike it, but it is my least favorite of her books, just because I think that certain elements are hard to translate to modern times, like having her fall in love with her cousin is just a little weird (laughs) and it's not even just her cousin because they would say things like that all the time back then like people that weren't really like related this is like not only her cousin but basically her brother who who she grew up with some from the time she was 10 (laughs) i guess it's a little weird um and i also think all of the stuff with the play is a little hard to sort of translate i mean you just have to know that like this play was like basically NC-17. Like it was super racy for the time. So it wasn't yeah. like they were just doing some, you know, lark or whatever. This was like a very racy play. And uh, and I, I think that Fanny is a, is a good character. I like her, but she's also kind of perfect. She's not as flawed as some of our other heroines. Like uh, a Marianne or or Lizzie. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's because like Austin makes her the like the moral center of the novel, right? So then that's why she's kind of like this virtuous woman, you know. So whatever yeah. like Fanny doesn't like or disapproves of, we as the reader know that you know, yeah, we should also disapprove of it, you know. So like she disapproves of the play, right? You know, but everyone just ignores her and continues. <laughs> doing their debaucherous thing <laughs> right so yeah so i mean she yeah it's it's a weird i guess austin novel in a way yeah i don't know uh-huh. and yeah it, it's interesting that it was her favorite as at least supposedly that's what people say is that this was the one she liked the most so which is kind of interesting yeah i mean yeah. i think mainly because of the other themes right like i think the whole idea of like immorality and ethics and virtue and the idea of like tradition and modernity, city life and country life. Like I think it all comes into like, you know, into the into this space of Mansfield yeah. Park, right? So I think it's one of like a more socially um relevant novels. Like I think, you know, the social take is quite strong on in this one. Uh less I guess about the romance <laughs> because of yeah. the matches that end up. Yeah. Uh, so I do think it's bold of Fanny to refuse Henry so many times. Like <laughs> she... he's gross. He's gross. <laughs> <laughs> Given her situation, like yeah. that took some guts yeah. to yeah. to refuse him. And and I, I think Edward is fine. I mean I, I love Johnny Lee Miller so much that it works that he's he's in the adaptation, but um but I, he's he's fine, but kind of a wimp, and like to see him 
he's so invested in Mary for almost the whole book. And so then for at the end for him to kind of come around and all of a sudden be with Fanny at the end is not as romantic as some of the other ones. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to the whole idea of like sense and sensibility, right? Which is something I think Austin uses a lot in her novels, right? Because uh-huh. Fanny is the sensible choice, right? She would suit him really well in his job in the clergy when he takes, you know, his, uh, when he finally gets to do that, you know, and Mary wouldn't, right? Because Mary is more of the city life, right? She, she yeah. likes money, you know, she's has she's vanity. So, um, you know, but she is also the woman he's more passionate about that he's attracted to. Yeah, so he has to kind of like grapple with that. But I think Austin is also trying to show that, you know, um, his disapproval of Henry, you know, um, and at times him telling Fanny so much about his relationship with Mary is like a way to provoke jealousy. So it does kind of show that he does view her as a romantic partner, that he does find her attractive. But, uh, you know, at the same time, Mary is just so alluring that he can't help it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the uh the nineteen ninety five movie? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, with uh Johnny Lee Miller, right? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a defense of it. I think it's a little underrated. I, I, that the things the flaws people have with it, I feel like are reasonable interpretations, and uh, of the of the book. I mean, you got to put your own stamp on it, especially when it's it's a flawed book. It's you know you got to. I, I don't think anything that it does is like outrageous in my opinion. Like, yeah, it has the slavery and some other things, but that's in the book. It's just yeah. not like as much a plot element uh, yeah. as it is in the, uh, in the movie, but I, I enjoy it. I, I think that for this story, it's, it's a pretty good version. Yeah. Decent version. I think it does uh, capture that salacious aspect of the book, you know, all yeah. the, all these sketchy things that are happening. So I think it does do that well. I think the issue is that it makes Edmund a bit too alluring because <laughs> he's a bit of a... <laughs> he's not that great in the book, <laughs> I would say. Uh, yeah, that's so, fair. Yeah, yeah. I think I like that. I prefer it. I mean, that scene where they <laughs> almost kiss, it's one of those movies where the almost kiss is almost better than the actual kiss kiss at the end. When yeah. uh, that they're, uh, it's it's very similar to the scene in Jane Eyre where he she saves him from the fire. Uh, it's it's kind of set up in a similar way with Edmund and Fanny and yeah. they're in their pajamas and everything. Uh, so I think it's good. And I love the scene when he brings her back and they have the subtle handhold uh, in yeah. the, in the carriage. I love that scene. It's one of my favorite things in movies is <laughs> you can get the, Oh, Oh, we're just holding hands. Okay, great. <laughs> Yeah, I think, so I I think yeah. it's underrated. I like it. I I I think that for the most part, it, it does a good job, and it's certainly better than the two thousand seven one. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the I think I think okay. I think that the nineteen ninety five one is is good, um, but it's not very authentic to the characters of the text. So like Fanny is. Too yeah. much like Lizzie, I would say. Like she's modeled after like that Lizzie kind of prototype. Because in the book, she's not that vivacious, you know. Uh, she and Edmund don't That's have true. This, like near moments. So I think that the other one is actually more accurate, but it's so like snooze fast. <laughs> like, yeah. and Fanny's like running around like a child, like half the time. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I just can't get yeah, behind it. And- yeah. They have no chemistry, the leads in that one at all. Yeah. They, uh, like, Billy Piper, <laughs> and I forget who's the... Blake Ritson is the name. Uh, uh, do In the uh, in 1995, she does accept Henry one for just like a day. <laughs> She's like, oh no, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Which I don't know why they did that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, this one is just kind of boring. I agree. Uh, so yeah. overall my scores for Mansell Park I gave it a 5 overall uh, for Heroin I gave it a 7 for Hero a 5 Adaptations a 6 which maybe that's too long I'm going to give it a 7 Adaptations a 7 
uh, and uh, and then so total twenty four. So it's my least favorite. Yeah, I can understand. Um, what do you give it? I think I have a soft spot for Mansfield Park because, like, I wrote a paper on it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I think all the lectures kind of made me appreciate the text on like a more novel aspect. You know, not really. Uh-huh. I think uh, it doesn't really take my like romantic bone. <laughs> <laughs> right. obviously but um yeah i appreciate what she did with the novel so i think i gave i gave overall i gave it seven uh heroine i gave it a seven hero i gave six uh and adaptations i gave seven so that okay good yeah 20s oh my god i do math now 27 <laughs> okay. All right. yeah. okay so then we have emma which i think is her longest book if i'm not mistaken I think it's the longest yeah, one. Yeah, I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, and uh, and I think that Emma is such a great lead character. It's probably it might be her strongest lead character. I don't know. It's hard. Lizzie's so great too, but she is a very flawed character. Uh, she's judgmental. She makes mistakes. She obviously tries to manipulate all the people around her, but she has the best of intentions, and she's so young that uh that you can understand that and she and i think that knightley is a great great hero he is he scolds her a lot but i think the especially the last half of the book when he is just like super envious of frank churchill i think is really fun yeah yeah <laughs> Smiley uh, is a great. Is he's a great hero? Yeah, it's yeah, really good. Yeah, not as good mm-hmm. as Darcy, but <laughs> still pretty good. <laughs> not as good as Darcy. Very different. And I think what makes Emma as a book special is that it's the only one that has any real romantic dialogue, any banter between our two leads because they are friends. And it's yeah. really it's in, in, where she did enemies to lovers. You know, in Pride and Prejudice, she does friends to lovers here in emma and uh, the banter that they have about harriet and about uh her matches and other things and certainly when she insults miss bates all of that is really fun yeah. and it's the only one that has a proposal of it of like a real we hear the words <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's definitely her most i think romantic even though uh you know prime and prejudice is up there i agree with uh-huh. you in the sense that the romantic spaces are not as present compared to emma so yeah 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 and i think it's another one where almost every version i enjoy they're trying to think i mean i love clueless i love i love i mean i really i do like the uh gwyneth paltrow 196 yeah Um, i like uh the 2009 one which i reviewed on my channel will be on this week uh the 2009 miniseries is so good with Johnny Lee Miller once again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mola Grenai. I love her and I I really I really like that version. And then also, of course, the most recent one, 2020, which I love. Yeah. I uh I think I think I didn't like the Kate Beckinsale one as much. Yeah. Yeah. That one I haven't seen it in many 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 years but it does kind of they they go off of the book quite a bit in that one as i recall and <laughs> i don't know when like is the nightly i think the nightly emma relationship was not really well done in yeah. that version like i just didn't believe them as like romantic prospects you know like yeah. i mean even in the grandpa paltrow one like i could believe like you know um she and jeremy i think Northam, right or something uh-huh. They had like really good. Yeah, Jeremy Strong, I think. Yeah. Huh? Or that? I mean, in the uh, in the Gwyneth Paltrow one, Jeremy Northam. Yeah, correct. Yeah, Jeremy. Northam. Another yeah, one. He was he was good. He was good. Yeah, he, he was, was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I love the proposal in that one. Yeah. I I cannot desire that. You want us to be the same as it's always been. I cannot <laughs> desire it. But why? <laughs> um, there is also a Bollywood version of Emma that's was pretty fun called Aisha. That people should check oh, out. I've never yeah, seen that. yeah, yeah, it's a, a hidden one. 
But, uh, but yeah, I think that Emma's special because of her, her character, because of Knightley, and then the romantic banter is really fun. Uh, so I give Emma an eight overall, and I give the heroine an eight. I give the hero a ten because I love Knightley. I give the adaptation. I also give the adaptations a ten because I just think there've been so many. Like Clueless alone is just was like a foundation movie for me. It was my favorite movie in high school, uh, and I still love it to this day. Uh, so I give Emma a thirty-six total. Strong so second, yeah. Yes, second place. Second for me. place. Okay, so I gave uh, overall. I gave it eight. Uh, for the heroine, I gave her an eight. I gave, even though I do love Nightly, <laughs> I I mean I think I love him a little less <laughs> than Darcy. <laughs> so I gave him eight. Uh, and overall, I love all the adaptations. So I gave I give that ten. So that would be yeah. hmm. <laughs> 34. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or Hallmarky in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Walmart Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. We have Northanger Abbey, and this one really is more of a coming-of-age story than it is a romance. I mean, it has the romance in it, but I think that this is her silliest book. It's her <laughs> lightest. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a lark. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Catherine is very young and very silly. <laughs> and I think sometimes that Henry feels more like a parent than a lover. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> kind of, okay. Like teaching her the right ways to behave and, and, and everything. I and uh but I still think it's cute. I enjoy it. Uh there's only been one adaptation of this book, which seems crazy to me. Yeah, that you only have the Felicity Jones one, but that it, was great though. That was like yeah, a it's good really adaptation. good. Yeah, yeah, and a great kiss. Yeah, the end of that in the <laughs> bushes. Really yes, you know it. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a ton to say about that. I think this is just like a fun, silly little book. But uh, if this was like her only book, I don't think we would remember her all that well. It's, I don't think it's like super memorable but um i uh, i gave it a six okay in overall okay. yeah uh okay i think i like it a little bit better than, <laughs> <laughs> than you okay I, I think the reason why is because i think at some point point in my life i think i was like catherine <laughs> <laughs> sadly like i think i had a very vivid imagination i read yeah. a lot and you know, I was always imagining all these like stupid things. Uh, so I could really like, I really found it really funny, like that whole gothic element and the way like, uh, Austin was mocking. I think <laughs> all these gothic novels, uh, and using her heroine to really be a contrast, right? You know, because Catherine's so naive, right, and inexperienced. Yeah. Um, in comparison. Uh, I do love Henry Tilney. I guess I can understand why um, you say he does seem like a parent. Um, I think it's because he's just more experienced in the world. And I love his relationship with his sister, Eleanor. Like, mm. it's so nice. Um, and I think maybe I'm influenced by the uh, adaptation because I love J.J. Field. He's yeah. just so dreamy and so so good, uh, yeah, and all the things that he does. So I think I might have been influenced by that. Maybe Henry Tilly. Well, I definitely, 
I definitely don't hate it or anything, uh, but uh, I, it's just my, it, well, I mean, it's my second least favorite after yeah. Vanceville Park, but I, but I, uh, it's just more of like a, it doesn't have the gravitas of the other books, which I guess could be kind of fun to, to just, to not have the drama that the other books have. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, he is, he's, the adaptation is excellent. Felicity Jones and uh and Terry Mulligan was in it I was so shocked I didn't yeah, realize. yeah 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 uh and I just think it's crazy that they've never done an, any other versions like I don't know you just think that there would be I mean maybe there's like some obscure ones but nothing major you know and and then you know the next month hallmark is going to be announcing <laughs> Some of it, Rachel. they do such a terrible job they name these these uh movies after uh jane austen and then they have nothing to do like literally sense of sensibility in snowman or whatever it was was absolutely terrible and they like didn't even get the like the headstrong sister was named eleanor and the 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 quieter oh. sister was named Marianne. You're just like, what? <laughs> like, you're not even like, why did you name it this? And then Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe, absolutely terrible. I mean, if you're going to have a Darcy character, you don't hire Lacey Chabert to be your Darcy character. <laughs> I mean, it had absolutely nothing to do with Pride and Prejudice, like, at all. And, oh. uh, and so it drives me crazy. Don't do it, Hallmark. <laughs> it's begun. It's begun. <laughs> Although there was on Lifetime, there was a Pride and Prejudice Atlanta, it was called. It was actually oh. pretty good. It okay. was a modern modern take, uh, African-American family. Uh, but I thought they did a good job, actually, on that one of updating it. It actually has all of the elements of the story. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> like cool, cool, <laughs> <laughs> It was. It was. I. It was good. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, I have Northanger Abbey. I have a six for overall. I have a six for heroin. I have a seven for hero. And I have uh, an eight for the adaptation because it is really good that adaptation yeah. so 27 points total okay uh mine is nine across the board good okay all right last one is persuasion and this set the standard for second chance romance yeah the, this is the gold standard and she does such a great job in this book of making every single scene feels like it's brewing with romantic tension. Like Wentworth isn't just like in the room. He's like looking at her and <laughs> they have this like back and forth with their eyes, you know, like it, it, she just does such a great job of making everything have this sort of double meaning to it. Yeah. I think, I mean, this I mean now that we're on the like last book right I mean it's yeah. just it's just great how uh diverse I think Austin is uh in her heroines in her heroes in her stories you know um it always makes me angry when people say that you know Austin uh only writes about love you know uh and no. I mean I yeah, think me too yeah. I agree with you I think, yeah, I mean, she's written, like, great characters, firstly, and I think it's just a disservice to say that, uh, you know, she only writes about love, so, you know, she's not a great writer, and so... <laughs> well, and I would even, say. like, I would fight against that. People say she only writes about love. Yeah. She writes about these women, and they that's really the only thing they could do back then, yeah. is that that was their job, was to get married, and and these women actually are incredibly bold, like I was saying with Fanny, or certainly with Lizzie, for Lizzie to refuse Darcy, no matter how she felt, for him to refuse him was incredibly bold uh, That at that time. 
And so for her to eschew social customs to such an it's a thing. I mean, and you have that obviously with Marianne as well. You have, and so it's about these women and them making their choices almost more than it's about love. Like I said, there's almost very little romantic dialogue between yeah. the couples, yeah. uh, except for in Emma. Yeah. So I, I think that, yeah, people are, are missing out on the characters if they just view them as like silly bodice ripper you know whatever like love stories uh they're not <laughs> yeah 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 uh, not that there's anything wrong with that but this is yeah. not what these are yeah correct correct yeah so i think I that you know obviously when people make this kind of comments it means that they've never read Austin. yeah and you know they just have these perceptions about her and you know they kind of view her as like a rom-com uh, ish writer, which I also mm -hmm. do, you know, I mean, yeah, there are like, you know, rom-com-ish elements, but, you know, her wit, her style, her satire, yeah. like, you know, she does so many things so well, and I think mm -hmm. it's always something that I see settled on female writers, you know, yeah. Yeah, so, agreed. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think that Anne Elliot is a timid heroine, but, like, she's introverted, our heroine but we are rooting from her from the very beginning uh she is she puts up with so much from her from her family uh she is so patient and kind even with people like mary yeah <laughs> <laughs> who is the worst <laughs> yeah. but funny very funny and <laughs> do you think like um, do you think that austin had like a person that she didn't like called mary <laughs> Well, just the funny thing is that Austin in her books are centered. The conflict is about is about characters getting married and yeah. finding love. That's the conflict. But almost every example of married people in her books are total <laughs> idiots. There's a few <laughs> exceptions, like the Gardeners and the Westons, and a few uh, a few good ones. The Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some good ones, but for the most part, most of them are <laughs> mess. <laughs> but uh, but but I think that Wentworth is great. He's such uh, a good character, and his letter—he even beats Darcy. It's even better. The letter. Yeah. Oh, I'm half agony, <laughs> half hope. Oh, so good, so yeah. good. Uh, but that it does lose points by the points that we've set up because I don't think there has been like perfect adaptation of persuasion. Like I like the Amanda Root one. I like the Sally Hawkins one, but they're both flawed, I think in different ways. And obviously this most recent one was absolutely terrible. <laughs> so that's the only place it really loses much points for me. Uh, but uh but yeah i have pers i have overall i have it in an eight there are a few parts where it drags i think a little bit um in bath and some of the other stuff uh with the musgraves and things uh so i give it an eight but i give the heroine a 10 i give the hero a 10 adaptations a six okay so well. i end up with 34 <laughs> <laughs> and that netflix one really heard it unfortunately <laughs> that oh, was no, terrible I, I it was so obliged. disappointing <laughs> it was so disappointing i was really hopeful that it would be good and oh but what about you what'd you what'd you give for persuasion uh okay so i gave persuasion an eight because i think i think for me it's really on par with emma i think i enjoy uh -huh. both equally for different reasons yeah. And I think why, I mean, I agree with you about the adaptations. I think the reason why is so difficult is because they don't really want to grapple with, you know, I think how how much it kind of impacted Anne to say no and walk away from him. Like, uh, I think that melancholy, you know, and all that is very difficult, I think, to deal with, and you know. And I think um, sometimes they don't really know how to, like, what to do with it because they don't want their heroine to look too, like, I guess... Submissive. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I think that we just don't have that many characters these days of women who are introverted and a little bit more quiet. Uh, 
in you don't see that very often that like in order to be a strong female character you have to be bold and snarky and you know and so they end up turning every trying to turn every character into into lizzie or emma and uh, i think it would be nice if we actually got like a uh, a really good version of i mean the amanda root is pretty is, is pretty good i love sally hawkins but i don't know i don't think they quite nailed that like introverted uh and character yet yeah i guess it's difficult to portray on the screen right yeah. because you know um we're not privy i guess to the interiors they, so they just have to focus on like the acting and the looks right uh-huh. um yeah but but that letter i mean the letter and there's some people in the amanda root when they complain about the ending that they have them kissing uh in the street with the with this circus and stuff going on i love that i think that's so romantic i always i love the idea of the uh being so lost in their own bubble that they don't even notice a circus behind them i think that's that's really romantic i think I mean, yeah, people make the same thing. Oh, that in North and South, the way they changed the uh, the ending for the miniseries uh, with them being on the train and kiss and kissing. Um, and I, I love the ending in the book, but I love the ending in the in the series as well, uh, because, yeah, they probably wouldn't have done that in real life because that would be scandalous to kiss on the train. Like, <laughs> but... I can suspend disbelief enough to enjoy it. (laughs) God, I feel that North and South, this is such a side note, but that North and South adaptation is so good. It's so good. I I was in love with Bridget Armitage for so many years after that. Yes, me too. I mean, I love, that's my favorite, one of my favorite books, Uh, but, uh, but they, they nailed it. I thought they did it. Yeah. Great job. In Oh, that ending so good but yeah. uh, <laughs> but there we go so my my order my ranking is i have uh i have pride and prejudice at 40 emma at 36 sense and sensibility at 35 persuasion at 34 northanger abbey at 27 and metzel park at tw- at 23 so uh so yeah, so it's Pride and Prejudice, uh, Pride and Prejudice, Emma, Sense Sensibility, Persuasion, Northanger Abbey, and Mansell Park is my ranking. And I forgot to say that we didn't include like unfinished works or her early like Love and Friendship or short stories, things like that. We just went with the six main novels. So yeah, what about you? What's your ranking order? Okay, so I start from number one. Uh huh. Yeah, okay, so it's Pride and Prejudice at 40, and then it's Sense and Sensibility at 38. Uh, after that, I have Northanger Abbey at 36, uh, Emma at 34, Persuasion at 33, and Mansfield Park at 27. Really good. Very good. Yeah. This is really fun. I enjoyed doing this. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. And, yeah. and where can people follow you and all your content? Okay, so they can read my ravings. I think I've written on Jane Austen a couple of times uh-huh. <laughs> uh, on unculturedvouchers.com. So, um, yeah, there's film, there's uh, books, games, wrestling. Uh, yeah, and they can also follow me on Twitter at LitMySoul. And yeah, so sometimes I tweet about stuff. <laughs> so check that out. <laughs> Okay, good. Yeah, well, all that in uh, the description, so check that out. And uh, yeah, you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes, and on Goodreads. You can follow that. And over on Hallmarkies Podcast, Bree and I, every month, we do a, a romantic reading wrap-up, which is really fun. We even did a whole episode on Persuasion last year. Uh, so you, I'll put a link down to that playlist as well if people want to hear more about my monthly reading uh, they do that uh, but uh, but if you are listening on itunes please leave your ratings and reviews really appreciate that and if you are listening on youtube please give the video a thumbs up subscribe to the channel uh we'd appreciate that and uh, we also have the patron group and merch store check that out and thanks so much natasha this was really fun 
and uh, yeah we'll have to we'll have to do it we'll have to pick another author one of these days and, yeah. uh, and do it this was fun yeah so. thanks so much for having okay. me on <laughs>